All right, church, if you can please remain standing for the reading of God's word. Today's reading is going to be off of 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 11 to 13. And so it reads, The saying is trustworthy, for if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. The word of God for the people of God. Well, Storehouse family, we are on week four of our Advent series. Uh, I'm really excited, and I know I've been using that word a lot in all of these videos, but let me tell you why I'm particularly excited about today. Your guest preacher is Miguel Herrera. This is his first sermon in our church, but Miguel, like the rest of the young men that you've been hearing over the last month, has been in our preaching lab since day one. So at this point, about a year and a half. So I'm stoked, I'm so proud of him. We're all very excited for him for as he gets to preach his first sermon here at Storehouse McAllen. If you don't know who Miguel is, he serves as one of our community group coaches. He has served as a community group leader, as a production director at one point, and many other capacities has he served our church. Miguel loves Jesus. He loves the word, he loves people. And uh, man, I'm so proud of him and all that God has done in and through him. And so I hope y'all can give a big round of applause, a ton of support for our brother, Miguel Herrera. <laughs> Not gonna lie, I am nervous and a little teary-eyed, but I hope I can get over that. Uh, well, good afternoon, church. It is a pleasure to be here with you guys. I am the fourth and final guest preacher for the series of Advent. Uh, as our pastor said, my name is Miguel, and I am married to a wonderful, wonderful woman. Her name is Maritza, uh, and I, I love video games, but that's enough about me. Um, but yeah, so we have been walking through the series of Advent. Uh, we have been walking through the anticipation of the birth of Jesus Christ. We started off the series uh, with the son who was promised. We followed that with the son who is our priest, the son who is our obedience. And lastly, what we will be talking about today in the title of our sermon is the son who is faithful. And before we dive right in, uh, let's take a moment to just pray. Father God, we... We surrender our hearts to you this afternoon. Lord, you are the one whom we were created to live for. You are the one whom we are to worship, to love, and to give all praise to. Lord, as we have been walking through the series of Advent, Lord, and it, can, it points us back to the Son who is faithful. It takes us, Lord, to a place where we have to surrender our will and ask that you do yours in our life. Father, I ask that you are the one who moves people's hearts today, that you are the one that declares your word good, Lord. And so I pray that we are able to place our trust in you. Lord, we are yours we love you, and we ask all of this in the name of your beloved son, Jesus, and everyone says 
Amen. Is there a saying, maybe even a song that you hold dear to your heart? Right, I have particularly a song that I run to when I am afraid. The song that I run to is called Sinking Deep. The bridge to that song says, Jesus Christ, you are my one desire. Lord, hear my only cry to know you all my life. I remember my first construction job. It was with me and my brother. We work with these machines called man lifts. They are intended to take you from anywhere between 10 to 250 feet in the air. And I remember crawling into that basket and holding onto the rail, and my hands just got glued on there. I remember looking at my brother, and he was kind of just giggling because we were going up, and he saw that I was terrified. And I remember just kind of shoving myself into my shirt, kind of like a turtle does, right, like into his shell. And I just started singing that song over and over to myself. Jesus Christ, you are my one desire. Lord, you're my only cry to know you all my life, right? And I'm singing that over and over again. Why? Because it brought peace to me. It helped me get through that fear. It helped me focus my eyes that, uh, on Jesus that whatever happens, it was going to be okay. Or maybe there is a saying that you hold dear to your heart, a saying that someone shared with you, a saying that has helped you through a tough time, a saying that maybe gave you hope in the midst of a hopeless situation, right? A, a saying that encouraged you. There's one particular saying that uh, I, I kind of went along to go with, and that's from the movie Rocky. There is a scene in the movie Rocky where Rocky's talking to his son. His son is, his son is talking, talking back to Rocky and telling him, man, it is your fault that my life is starting to fall apart. What you are doing is causing people to tell me stuff. It is, it is making, them, making me feel as if I am nobody. And Rocky tells him, no, no, no. You're the one that has allowed people to stick their finger in your face and tell you who you are. Right, and it goes on to the famous saying where it says, it ain't about how hard you hit, but how hard you can get hit and get back up. Right? Rocky is reminding his son that, no, you're not a failure, but you're allowing people to tell you that you are. And the similar aspect, we're going to see Paul remind Timothy who he is in Christ. We're going to see that Timothy, uh, and a little bit about Timothy, he was, he was known to be timid Timothy, meaning he was always kind of shy, you know, he was afraid. Uh, and he was a young pastor that Paul had, had told to, uh, that had discipled uh, to go on and share the gospel and good news of Jesus, right? And so here we're going to see that Paul is telling Timothy a saying that is going to help him get through those fears, a saying that is going to help them overcome the, the teachers or people who are going to tell them otherwise. A saying that helps him uh, remind him about the faith that he has in Jesus and who he called them to be. We're going to see in the next three verses two main themes. And, and the first one is the faithfulness in salvation, meaning he is faithful in saving us. Secondly, is Jesus' faithfulness and judgment, meaning he is faithful in being just. Our main idea for today is the faithfulness of the Son gives us assurance and adoration. I'll repeat that one more time. The faithfulness of the Son gives us assurance and adoration. So point one, right, Paul starts off by saying the saying is trustworthy. He is telling Timothy, man, you can bank on this. You can place your trust in this, and you are going to be okay. There is many things that people are saying around you, but this one you can place your trust in. 
right? You can place your trust in it in the midst of your fears, in the, in the midst of your lack of confidence, in your anxiety, whatever it may be, place your trust in this and it's going to be okay. The word trustworthy that we see Paul use here means in Greek, pistos. And I'm not talking about pistos as in like pisteando. I'm talking about pistos as in faithful. He goes on to say in verse 11, if we have died with him, we will also live with him. Right? I remember in a CCD class back in, when I was six years old and I was going to the Catholic church, there was a teacher going around asking the question, what do you need to do to go to heaven? Man, I confidently raised up my hand. I'm like, please choose me. Please choose me. Right? And so she finally picks me and she asked me, well, Miguel, what do you have to do to go to heaven? And I tell her, pues te mueres. Right? Meaning you have to die. And so the teacher laughs it off, goes on to the next person. But little did I know, I was already kind of a little theologian. I technically wasn't wrong, right? But the death that we're going to be talking about right now is not a physical death, although that is not exempt from from when we come to the faith. Because as we know, people are persecuted. As we see, the, the apostles were martyred because of their faith in Jesus. But the one that we're going to talk about today is a spiritual death. A death where you must put your sinful desires to death. It almost means uh, that we need to be reborn, right? And we see this talked about in John 3 where Jesus is talking to uh, Nicodemus, which was a priest that was really well known, and he knew the Bible like the back of his hand. And so the conversation goes on to say, uh, Jesus tells him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Right, Nicodemus answers back, well, how can I be born again? I'm old. Do I have to enter my mother's womb a second time? And it almost sounds kind of like, like, why would he even ask that, right? Like, but in reality, he was trying to answer logically. And so Jesus goes on to tell them, unless one is born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. When one accepts Jesus, when one confesses him as Lord and Savior, you are granted immediately a new heart and a new mind. But you are not given a new body. What do I mean by that? You are still going to be tempted by the same temptations that you were facing, but now you are given the spirit and strength of the Holy Spirit to guide you and say no through those moments. If we could look at a physical representation of what it means to die to oneself, we can look towards baptism. Baptism is a step in a Christian life where one publicly proclaims their faith in Jesus by being submerged in water, meaning that they are representing the old self dying and coming back up from the water as a new creation in Christ Jesus. So we die to our sin and we are alive in him. What does that look like after accepting Jesus, being baptized? It means that you go back to your life and you proclaim Jesus and you live like him. That is not an easy task. We tend to want to, um, we will be tempted by the circumstances around us. We will be tempted to try to go back to our old ways. We are going to be told that, that it is not true, that just because we accept Jesus, that we are made new and that we are saved by his grace alone. Many things are going to tell us and oppose us from that. But this is, what Jesus, this is what the word of God says in Romans 5, 8. 
but God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is the reason why we celebrate Advent. This is the reason why we celebrate Christmas. Because even though we cannot do, uh, we cannot do this on our own, he has sent Jesus to die for us. He has taken that burden away from us. You're going to have your moments of weakness. You're going to feel like you cannot go on any longer. You're going to feel as if whatever you are going through is going to to make you want to crumble and fall apart. But we have to remember and set our eyes to the one who came and died for us. Jesus knows what you are going through and what you feel. Jesus himself in the Garden of Gethsemane prayed to God the Father that he remove this cup if there was no other way. It is a painful, painful life. Because everything when we are in Christ will oppose us. But no matter what happens... Remind yourself that you have been given the Holy Spirit to fight against these temptations. Right? And we continue on where it says, die to yourself. We will also live with him. What Paul shares here in the letter to Romans, in Romans 6, verses 5 through 7, it says, For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. The same way Paul reassures the Romans is the same way he's trying to reassure Timothy by sharing this saying with him. And it's a beautiful start to the saying because it gives us hope and true hope in Jesus. We go on to verse 12. If we endure, we will also reign with him. Here, if we endure, the definition to that is suffer silently. And the ultimate example of this is Jesus himself. He was a rightful king, an heir to the throne. And he humbled himself and came into this world and lived the life for me and you. And through that life, he suffered silently. Jesus was whipped. Jesus was mocked. Jesus was crucified for me and you. And he could have just said no. And he would have had all the right to do so, but he decided to suffer for me and you. So that when we go through suffering, we get to look at his life, we get to look at his example, and know that from him is where comes all strength. This is what uh, Jesus says in John 16, 33. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Church, we are going to face trials. Me and my family personally have gone through many trials these last couple of weeks. We have gone through a lot of circumstances that have made us really lean and depend on God. He is the only hope that we have that at the end of whatever happens, that he is good and he remains good. I could, 
I, I share this because you have the same hope. You are given the same opportunity to come to Jesus, that he gives you that hope as well. Oftentimes, though, we will not see the suffering worth it. At the end, we think that it is not worth suffering because at the end, we don't see Jesus as the ultimate reward. I can't guarantee you that in the circumstances that you are in, if you are going through sickness right now, that you are going to be healed just because you accept Jesus. Although he is more than willing to, to, to heal you, I can't guarantee you that. I can't guarantee you that if you are going through poverty and you accept Jesus, that you are going to be made, made rich. But here is what the word of God says, and I can promise you, is that if you are living in Jesus, you will reign with him when you put to death your old self. What does it mean to reign with him? It means that you will be with him in eternal glory. It means that when he comes back and redeems his creation, when he redeems all things good again, that we will be part of that. Jesus prays to the Father in John 17 that, when, that he is asking him that we will be with him in full glory. This is God's heart for you, that people come to him. When we endure, we endure because we're fully convinced of who Jesus is. If there's a picture I could paint, is one of a soldier. He's he's at war, and the battle's going on. Explosions are happening. Bullets are flying. The soldier picks up his rifle and throws himself into a trench. He begins to contemplate his life. He begins to contemplate if he should continue to push forward or just stay in that trench. And then he has a flashback. He sees his wife. He he hugs her. They start dancing the night away. He sees his six-year-old daughter running towards him, shouting, Daddy, Daddy, welcome home. And then he comes back into the war. Battle begins again. Explosions are happening. Soldiers are screaming. It seems terrifying and a hopeless situation. But then he gathers all hope, all strength, and continues to push forward. We, if you find yourself currently in the midst of a situation that seems hopeless, if in your life right now you feel as if explosions are going around, bullets are flying, and it seems that you cannot go further, if you are lying in the trench right now, let me warn you, don't let that trench become your grave. You have to continue to push forward, and you're not doing this alone. Jesus will be with you through these trials. He was thinking of you when he was being crucified. He knows exactly what you are going through. He knows exactly the pain, the anxiety, the fear that you are feeling. Place your trust in him. Find the hope, find the strength to continue to move forward in this life. He is so good. And then we also see that it could be scary. If we go on to point two, Jesus' faithfulness in judgment. These next two sayings kind of change the tone from from being good, where it's like if we die with him, we live with him, to to being almost uh, negative. It starts off with saying if we deny him, he will deny us. What does it mean to deny Jesus? It's the opposite of everything that I just said. You are not willing to suffer for Jesus. You are not willing to live for Jesus. And so you deny him. 
you try to do your own thing. You live your life according to your own will. You will not budge. You will not want to surrender your life to Jesus. But we have to remember that Jesus is also a judge, a rightful judge, a good judge. If we sometimes think that God's judgment is bad, why? Because we try to declare what is good, and we don't see eye to eye with God. So why is it that Jesus uh, is, why is it good that Jesus is the just God in judgment? Because look how far it has gotten us trying to determine what good is. Adam and Eve were in the garden where God told them clearly that the tree, uh, that they shouldn't eat from a tree, and yet they were convinced otherwise that the tree was good. But God had declared that tree bad, and they disobeyed. They tried to, to make their own sense of what good is. They wanted to have the ability to call themselves God. Some of us, we even try to work our own way into salvation. Here's what, what Jesus says in Matthew 7, 21 through 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, that we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name, and do many mighty works in your name. And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. What does this mean? Jesus doesn't cut corners. As terrifying as this sounds, Jesus is not going to deny who he is for any of us. He is not going to look at any of us and be like, mm, well, you actually did pretty good, so I'll let you into heaven. No, that is not what Jesus will do. Jesus is a just God, and doing so, he will deny us when we do not do the will of the Father. He will deny us when we don't place our trust to him. Why? Because we're not going to want to live for him. If we, it goes on to say, if we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. When we are faithless, it means that we would lack trust in God. We will lack trust in God, and eventually we were going to betray him. Why? Because whatever we have been praying for, whatever we have been asking for, doesn't align with the timing that God has given us. And so we are going to want to take those prayers and take it into our own hands and do it on our own ways. This means that we don't trust in God's timing. And then we would think to ourselves, after we do that and then it goes horrible, then we want to blame God for that. This is something that we often do and I have personally done it as well. We could even see uh, the, the faith, faithlessness that happened in the book of Malachi that we talked about a few weeks ago. If we go to Malachi 1, verses 6 through 7, we see Israel's faithlessness, and it goes on to say, A son honors his father, and a servant his master. 
If then I am a father, where is my honor? Says the Lord of hosts to you, O priests, who despise my name. But you say, how have we despised your name? By offering polluted food upon my altar. Israel's priests claim to know God. They claim to love him. They, they, they would do works for him. They would present sacrifices throughout the day. And then they started to walk through the motions. They began to kind of like, well, this, this is good enough, right? This is something that we try to do as well. We will try to cut corners anywhere we can. And then we're going to argue with God that we, we will try to justify our decisions when we run to the idols that we thought that were better than God. When we are faithless, we will carry the cross and we'll try to walk with Jesus. But as soon as thing get, things get, get, go bad, we will turn away from him. We will drop the cross wherever we were at and run back to our idols that give us an instant gratification. What makes you takes your eyes off Jesus? What makes you think that Jesus isn't good enough? Where have you set your eyes that has made you drop that cross and stop following Jesus? When you reflect on that, I invite you to repent. I invite you to turn away from that. Surrender it to Jesus and keep on keeping on. That's just another saying in case y'all didn't catch that. Uh, if, also, if you are here today and you're not a Christian, first, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for accepting the invitation that a friend, a family member, or a coworker has offered to you. You are here because they love you. They want to, they, they love you so much that they care more about your, your eternal life than your, than your comfort right now. You've probably had plenty of discussions with them. You've probably had arguments back and forth as to why you need God, why you need to go to church, right? You have probably questioned the fact that if God even exists. But here, here's the reason why. There is nothing that we are able to do that is going to save us. If you have heard a saying that tells you that you do X, Y, and Z and you're going to be saved, that is not true. If you have heard that if you do X, Y, and Z and you're going to get the God's favor over you, that you're going to get the money, the car, the health, the whatever it may be, that is not true. The truth is this. That Jesus came to die for you. Jesus is the only way to God the Father. Jesus is the only way that we get to have salvation. And he has extended that grace to each and every single one of us here. We are here because we are covered by his grace. How do we continue to find hope in God in a hopeless world? In Romans 15, Paul says this. 
For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. We look to this. The Bible gives us instruction to come to God. If you feel you don't know God, maybe you haven't spent time with him. That is the honest truth. God has made a way for us to come to know him. How has God been faithful? There's four things that we've been talking about these past four weeks. The first one is, his faithfulness has brought forth the promised Savior and Redeemer. God has kept his promises from the beginning of time to now. He promised Israel that we were going to be redeemed, that he was going to redeem them, that he was going to send somebody who was going to fulfill the law, and he did. We see that in the finished work at the cross of Jesus. The second one is his faithfulness has given us a high priest who is our mediator between the Father and us. Jesus stands before us and takes our place so that we can be seen not so much as sinners but as sons and daughters before God. The third one is his faithfulness was demonstrated by the obedience of his death on the cross. His obedience led him to that cross so that me and you, when we fall short, we lean on him. We place our trust in him. The fourth one is his faithfulness will be fully seen in the glorious day of the final judgment. Jesus is going to judge justly. He is going to call those who are faithful, good and faithful servants, and welcome them back home. But he is also going to deny those who deny the Father. In this time, as we walk into Christmas, we get to reflect and remind ourselves as to why we place our trust in Jesus. That is because neither me or you could live a sinless life. We, by nature, are fallen creatures. We are imperfect, but we have been given a faithful Savior. Just as Rocky reminds his son that he is not a failure, Jesus has come to give us the assurance that we are not orphans. That we are sons and daughters when we place our trust on him. Jesus gave us the assurance by his blood, by his works, by his righteousness, and his death and resurrection. Church, this should stir up our hearts to sing praises and to sing as, as loud as we can. Because in the day when he comes back, we will be shouting, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And we will worship him till we run out of breath. So church, I will leave you with this. The faithfulness of the son gives us assurance and adoration. Let's pray. Father God, you are good. 
you have made a way for us to come to know you. You have made a way, Lord, that we will be able to be reconciled to you. We are given the opportunity every single day that we are able to draw breath from our lungs to repent and turn to you. Your grace, your love, and your mercy come from a a well that does not run out of water. You continue to reveal your heart towards us through your words and through Jesus. You give us the opportunity to fix our eyes on you. Lord, we are gathered here today to to surrender our hearts. You know every individual in this building. You know their struggles. You know their hearts. You know what is making them weary. You know what is making them feel broken, making them feel anxious, scared. You say, bring that to me. You say, come to me, and I will give you rest. Thank you. Thank you for remaining faithful to your promises. Thank you that we get to see you in the midst of our trials. Thank you for Jesus and the blood that covers us from our sins. Let us not be ashamed to bring them to you.